0: Well, hello everybody. We are the Lanky Guys, and we're back together at last, so that we can have the word on the hill and not across the pond, and actually be on the hill, uh, which we are. It's, it's it's good to be back. Staring at your eyeballs, man. It is really nice to have you. It, that's a cup of coffee in your hand, you know, bright and early in the morning as we're we're looking towards Holy Week. We are looking towards Holy Week. It's uh, It's finally here, dude. I love Holy Week. Do you know how much I love it? I do. It's a, li- it's a lot of work. Some idea. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but man, there's like so many good things. Yeah. It's just, it's like a week you just get to spend in church. It's, everybody kind of knows that it's just, it's just time to go and be with the Lord and contemplate the divine mysteries and enter in, man. I love it.
1: Today's the first day of spring, right? Or is it yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Yesterday You, was... you, you missed it. I don't know
0: what day it is. You missed it because you were like flying. So you had, to, or I literally you. literally sp- lost
1: an entire day. I lost the first day of spring.
0: You did. You skipped over it. I did actually.
1: Yeah. That's okay. I've got the second day of spring. It's it, beautiful here. It's freezing cold in England, and yeah. it's
0: lovely here. Uh, isn't England always cold? Probably <laughs> not. All <laughs> always is <That's> a pretty, <laughs> pretty big term. That's why the English are
1: stoic. Mm. It was cloudy and rainy and cold the whole time.
0: Yeah. But it, it, well, I, mean, I've, I, I, I listened to Brideshead Head Revisited the whole time you were gone, just to, so no, you that. didn't. I, did you really? Oh yeah, yeah. But I, oh. I got an audio book version of it. Yeah. And so I, last, last night I fell asleep listening and and the book completed without me knowing it. <laughs> <laughs> gripping. So, so I don't really know how gripping. it, I don't know how it ends.
1: Haven't you read it like 10 times before? Well, yeah. So you do know how it oh, ends. Oh yeah, okay. But it's just not last night. Oh, I'm night. sorry. That was hyperbolic. <laughs> I was watching reruns of Downton Abbey before bed. Somehow it's better in
0: England. If, is it? Yeah. Do you feel like you're a part of things? Kind of. It's like Morgan Mindy. Which yeah, all based here. Yeah, it was supposed to be here up on uh, Boulder, but it is. But it's all here. I mean, it is all here, but it wasn't filmed here except for like the opening sequence. Have you ever watched the
1: show? I mean, it was one of the, it's one of those shows that you're like, oh, Morgan mini, I've heard of that. But I a couple of years ago, I think it was the Video Station, some video store actually had old copies of it, and yeah. I watched it, and it's really funny. Is it? And it's all really, and it's really subtle Boulder jokes, making fun of us. There's lots of hippies and eccentrics and. Really, and it, that's kind of the whole joke, I think, is that Mork is this weird alien, but he fits in because he's in Boulder, <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's the whole the whole point. That, it's really funny. There's a whole episode where he his whole plan is to roller
0: skate down Flagstaff Hill. Oh, and he does it. Did Did they film it on Flagstaff? I don't know, but man, we, looks like it. You know what we need to do? So, well, since since we serve the university here, I think that we should have a a, a running Mork and Mindy. I think we should just just viewing. It's just like if something we can find in the background. It. I haven't seen
1: it in a very long time,
0: dude. I'm gonna check Netflix. It down right everybody. now, dude. This okay. is what I'm gonna do. No, I'm not gonna check Netflix. No, we're what talking are, about the readings. We yeah, got a lot. Of, we we, we, we got a have lot the, of stuff to get through. <laughs> we have the passion. We we shouldn't be dealing with. Uh...
1: Hey, I want to give a shout out before we get too deep into it to a guy named Joe, Jim. who runs an organization called Meta, the Metanoia Project up in uh, I think it's in Preston, up in the UK in England, and they're doing great stuff out there. So I heard about. Heard about Joe and his work and the Metanoia Project. So shout out to you guys. Thanks for your great work for the church and uh, keep it up.
0: And we also uh, want to give a shout out to, um, to our, our listener in the Russian Federation. He contacted us, sent us an email. Yeah. He, he's doing like training for astronauts. He's sending
1: people into space.
0: Yeah. And then he's going to like go launch them in Kazakhstan. Is that where he is? Well, he, no, I mean, but they train they train in the Russian Federation, and so yeah. so we're we're glad that we can be a part of your daily life, and uh, to be able to like hang out with you in your apartment, seriously, especially when it's like blowing up with like things <laughs> like twenty megaton um, comets. Oh, are, and like, the um, exploding everything, yeah, uh, yeah meteors, right? meteors, yeah,
1: whatever, whatever they are, that's
0: crazy. I know he knows what they are. He's he's wincing at my lack of uh, NASA cosmological. Oh,
1: not only does he live in the place where they were getting meteors, but he's a NASA person. So, yeah, so he's doubly frustrated with you right now. I know. Sorry about that. It's all right. He forgives you. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't. <laughs> I can't speak for him.
0: Okay, we gotta we gotta dig in because um because we got a lot we got a lot. This is good. But stuff. it's all fairly familiar territory. This, this
1: is I I think kind of my my one of my favorite things to be able to deal with. It's stuff. I mean, who hasn't who what what. Catholic who's, you know, even nominally been going to mass for most of their life, hasn't heard this stuff. Yeah. And sometimes it's one of those things that becomes so familiar, it's, it's, you can just kind of write it off. And I, I, I always wonder, you know, in Palm Sunday, something like that, if this is one of those, uh, masses where people kind of check out, cause they're like, I've heard this a million times before. I know Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey and there's palms and da 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 da. But, um, that's why we get to kind of have some fun and, and dig apart some of the, some of the deeper things. Because we have a, not only do we have a lot of readings, but we have an extra one right at the beginning when we process in with the poems.
0: Which is just, which is actually a really, uh, it's a, we're supposed to actually proclaim it liturgically outside of the church. Right. And process right. in. Are, Are we, we going to do that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we do it every You're year. It, it's funny because every year we have like a complicated thing and like, how do we possibly have a microphone outside and inside and yeah it has happened modern, simultaneously modern technology should have hooked us up by now but no no we we kind of figured it out it's just doubling up it's kind of like the podcast <laughs> when when we try to do it across the pond and you kind of double up a little bit and there's it little worked bit of but shit. our sound could have been better yeah, so sorry a, if you got a headache from the. <laughs> well we're back in the studio so it works out in the studio Hey, it sounds like a studio. Don't it let, is a studio. Don't, it's, don't a let su- the people, it's awesome. Yeah, don't let the people be deceived about the fact that we're just in a basement.
1: We're not. We're in a we're in the studio. It's a
0: basement studio. It is a
1: basement studio. Yeah. Like we're all good studios.
0: With the largest Our Lady of Czestochowa. It's like a church size Our Lady of Czestochowa. It's real big. <laughs> it's, and by that, he means it's the size of a church. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, okay, so we got a donkey tethered and amounts of olives. <laughs> Just one, and, <laughs> only one, and, and and tying it. And We got some Essenes going on too. Don't make a scene. <laughs> Sorry. Do you need me to get you some water? I'll carry it on my head. Do you? Oh, I, it, oh that's not a pun. That's because the, the scenes dead. Yeah, was trying it, to find the pun. That, in that. That's
1: how we find the donkey. Is it? Yeah. With, oh yeah, no, it was. Yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With yeah. waterhead. Yeah. This is a, this is a cool scene though. So one of the things that's going. On, one of the things I love to to. Teach about and talk about is is this whole underlying the undergirding theme of the gospels is that Jesus is proclaiming himself to be king, very explicitly, very clearly, and that's exactly what everybody's what everybody in the first century is expecting. That I mean, there's all these prophecies throughout the Old Testament. We, you and I, were just talking about Daniel before we before we sat down, and there's this really specific prophecy in Daniel that. We can go into this later, but it basically told people exactly when the Messiah was going to come and when God's kingdom was going to burst back in. It's in Daniel chapters 7 and chapter 9. There's these prophecies about there's going to be so many kingdoms and so many superpowers that arise up out of the earth. And during the reign of this fourth one, if you're doing the math, that's when God's kingdom is going to come back. And if you're doing the math from when Daniel is writing this in the time of Babylon, four superpowers later, you're in the time of Rome. So everybody knew that when the Romans are in charge... There's going to be a king. That's why, you know, 100 years before Jesus, there was nobody claiming to be Messiah. In the, you know, a couple hundred years after Jesus, nobody's claiming to be Messiah. When Jesus is around, there's thousands of false messiahs because everybody knew when he was coming. And everybody knew what he was going to do, which was basically set up a kingdom that was going to be everlasting. And God's kingdom was going to come back. But nobody really understood what, what that was going to look like yeah. in the truth. And even the disciples, right? They've been going along with Jesus. They get I mean, there's that, that famous scene. Remember where... uh I think in Luke, um, James and John, they make their mom go to Jesus and ask for the thrones, remember? Two yeah. of the Gospels tell it different ways. but um, And Jesus says, you know, we want thrones. At your, they say, we want thrones at your right and your left hand. Jesus says, well, you're going to have, you know, are you able to carry the, what does he say? Drink the cup that I am able to drink. Yes. And they're and be like baptized yeah, we can do with it. The and be right. baptized with the baptized. And yeah. they're like, yeah, we can do whatever you yeah. want to. Yeah, they're like. Yeah, like well, sure. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be baptized with that baptism, but the thrones are not mine to give. But but they have this idea in their head. They're like, this guy's a king. He's going to have a kingdom. He doesn't look like much now. He's, you know, sleeping on other people's couches, but eventually, this is going to be powerful. So now you get in Palm Sunday, you get one of the one of the clearest moments of Jesus. being like, yeah, this is it. And you can tell the disciples are Finally, he's acting like a king. And the thing with the donkey, I think, is, is interesting. So he, he, they come to Bethphage and Bethany, which are the two closest suburbs on the way to Jerusalem. So they're right outside of town. They're at the Mount of Olives, which is right across the Kidron Valley, right? You've been there. Yeah, I love it. As we always point out. <laughs> so you've been there. And he's like, go into the village, and you're, you're going to find a colt tethered and a, and a donkey. And if anybody asks what you're doing, say the master has need of it. And uh, so they go off. But, I mean, if you think about what he's telling them to do, he just said, hey, go into this village and go steal somebody's animal and bring it to me. (laughs) Didn't he? Yeah. And what's more shocking than that is that they're like, all right, (laughs) cool, we're going to go do it. Yeah, you you got it. Which is because there's the law on the books, both in the Roman world and the Jewish world, where a a king has the legal right to commandeer an animal for his use. Really? Eminent domain, kind of? Kind of. Well, it's like a Bruce Willis movie. Like, every, every Die Hard movie has a scene where Bruce <laughs> Willis is covered in blood, and there's a Porsche, and he's like, I need to borrow your Porsche. He's like, I'm a cop. And he takes it, and he runs off. That's basically what they're allowed to do, Oh, is commandeer <laughs> an animal. So I always think it's surprising that they're like, well, yeah, okay, we're great, we're going to go steal seal somebody's animal, but... But they're allowed to A king is allowed to So I think they're probably Getting excited Like finally he's doing Royal stuff And we get to go Commandeer the animal You know And we're gonna do this stuff So they get it They're pumped And they bring it back And yeah they fall. It's not the guy The guy with the Wandering, is his head isn't in Luke, is he? And no, he's he, in Matthew.
0: No, I think he's in Matthew. Sorry that I threw no, you guys no. off about Luke. <laughs> I'm never going to get an angry email. Yeah, they're like, ah, oh, this I is not... I can't believe you did that. <laughs> but the, <laughs> this is the thing, is, uh, oh, oh, frustrated listener, this is the thing, is that it, uh, the scenes and, oh, well, that's not. I'm not going to deal with that. You guys are just going to have to figure that out on your own. Ooh. Look at you. Yeah. Mm. A little teaser. Welcome to the drama. Yes.
1: The word on the drama. The D- drama on the hill.
0: The drama on the hill. You have to tune in next year. <laughs> <Yeah>. Next year. <laughs> and They're like, I've been waiting a whole year. Oh, yeah, because we get Matthew next year. Yeah. Um,
1: I'm I'm just reading what Luke says. The different apostle, the different gospel writers give you the same story of Palm Sunday from slightly different angles. So some gospels have more information than others, but um Luke Luke gives you some of the least actually, but in, if you put all the gospel stories together, what's happening is you have this you have Jesus riding on the donkey, going into town, and if you know if we understand the timing right, this is around the time of the Passover, yep. which means there's thousands of people hauling their way into Jerusalem on this day, thousands of pilgrims from all over the empire flocking in, but yet everybody recognizes Jesus, which this is one of those things we take for granted when we hear this again and again every week or every year that everybody recognizes this Jesus, why, why would, I mean, they didn't have TV, they didn't have internet, they didn't have pictures. They didn't know what he, even if they'd heard about Jesus, they didn't know what he looked like. So why is everybody flipping out? And actually in Matthew's gospel, there's this line when, when Jesus is going in and they're all waving their palm branches and sounding hosanna to the son of David. They actually are turning to one another saying, so who who is this?
0: <laughs> and Matthew's clear about it. So they're flipping out, they're waving stuff, but they don't even actually know who he is. Just because of the symbolic value of riding on the donkey, they recognize that here's somebody who's going to be assuming the kingdom right? because they they have all read John Grisham. I mean, sorry, Daniel. <laughs> Is that a joke? I don't get. Yeah, it's a joke. But well, Daniel really is the John Grisham of the age. Oh, Everybody's nice. like reading him. That's true. Actually, I, of course, I've never read a John Grisham. Novel. Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> my dad has. Oh yeah, my That's dad good. has too.
1: And I've seen them on his coffee table. Yeah, stacks. But he. Um... Oh, I mean, the one one thing to keep in mind though is that you know this is a pilgrim feast. So, if there's thousands of people going into Jerusalem this day for for the Passover, nobody's riding a donkey because pilgrims walked when they go on pilgrimage. So, this Sunday, when there's thousands of people going into the city, there's only one guy sitting on a donkey. So, first of all, he's going to stick out because you don't ride a donkey into the city of Jerusalem on a pilgrim feast. You walk. That's part of the pilgrimage. Yes. Somebody's like, "Who's this? Who's this guy? I think he is." And there's obviously a prophecy from from Zechariah that says, "Your king comes to you humble." lowly and riding on an ass and that's true the but the bolt of a fowl yeah but it, it's more than that I mean the king like you said was also a royal symbol Solomon remember the stories of when uh who is it is it Solomon no I don't know oh it's David it's when when no, it's Solomon. Yeah, it's Solomon. When Solomon is taking the throne from Dave, when David's about to die and Solomon's going to become king, there's this big dispute going on about who, which of the brothers is going to take the kingdom. And David's solution is, no, you go find my donkey and ride it into Jerusalem, and that will be the sign that everybody knows that you are the king. Oh, so everybody knows this story. So now here's Jesus riding on a donkey, the sign of his kingship. So all these people, none of whom actually know who he is, yep. recognize, wow, this guy's making the claim. He's doing it, even though there's thousands of people claiming to be king. Nobody's had the the coolness to to go and ride a donkey into Jerusalem on a pilgrim feast. And they're like, this guy's serious. He's not just saying he's the king. And that's a pretty dangerous thing, especially in a kingdom and a city that's ruled by a false king named Herod to say, hey, look, everybody, I'm the king. I'm setting
0: myself up for this.
1: And you'd probably be thinking to yourself, wow, this guy might not last very long. (laughs) You're like, this guy's bold. (laughs) And guess what? He doesn't last very long. Yeah, Once that, he kind of lets it all on the table, it's,
0: he only it's, lives for a couple more days. It's kind of like Jerry Maguire. <laughs> At the beginning, of, <laughs> show me the donkey. <laughs> show me the donkey. At the beginning, he's like, he's like, and I wrote a memo and I copied it and I put it in everybody's box and then there's two guys and they're like, how long is he gonna last? They're like, I give him a week. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. It is like, that's a that's a good analogy.
0: Yeah, they're, they're like, man, this guy, they're like, wow, that's a bold, great move. Well yeah. done, man. They're like, he's not going to last very long. Totally. <clears throat> it's true. There's probably people saying that. Where did they get all these palms? I mean, this is kind of like, a this is a strange thing. Like, are, are they cutting them down? Are they getting probably. excited and just going like, oh, man, here we go? Because for well, us, it's complicated. I mean, we have to order them from the, a palm company. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but I I mean you've been to Jerusalem
0: yeah. as we've pointed out
1: many times. I mean there's there's palm trees all over the place, right? I mean are they pretty easy to come by?
0: Uh no. They're not? No, that was not like something that I was like, wow, look at all the palms. Then I don't know. But I do
1: know that in Zechariah, so remember that the one of the prophecies about this comes from Zechariah chapter 9 that says your king is coming to you humble and riding on a donkey. Yeah. At the end of Zechariah, Zechariah is all about this this kingdom that's gonna come, what's it gonna be like when the when the Messiah comes? At the end, at the end, Zechariah says that after all these things happen, after the king comes, and there'll be wars, and you know, the, the evil will go this way, the the just will be gathered together. But then it says at the very end of Zechariah in this kind of eschatological end of times vision, it says eventually all the nations will flock to the king at Zion, at Jerusalem, and they'll all celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles together. Mm. That's the ending vision of Zechariah, that once all is said and done, all the nations are going to come and celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Well, how do you celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles? One of the things you do is by having a procession waving palm branches. So I think it's not just like, oh, cool, here, what should we wave? Let's wave these. Yes. I think everyone's actually recognizing, well, Zechariah is being fulfilled. It's a new Feast of Tabernacles. Let's wave the palm branches because... Yeah, this is actually all coming true.
0: No, uh, the palm branches uh, for the Feast of Tabernacles would have actually been used to, as coverings for the tents of the sticks that they were making to sleep outside. I don't know. I'm just thinking practically. I'm just going well because because yeah, probably. Uh, you know what? I know. I mean, I have friends that are like this. Like something happens. I have like like Dave Hazen. um Shout out to the uh, associate uh, director of communications here in their studies. And he, uh, he saw that the Papa was coming, that the Pope was coming. Pope Francis, shout out to him. He's totally awesome. Yeah, he's, a stud. Uh, he's like bringing conversion. It's really it's, everybody. It's, I mean, it's crazy, including me. And, uh, and so he he saw it coming. So he was like, "I'm printing a bunch of T-shirts." Habemos papam. So he made a bunch uh, of so T-shirts. he was ready. He was ready. So I, my bet is that is that they were ready. That they that somebody that was, was ready. There was one disciple. He's like he's kind of putting it together, and he's like, "Oh." Oh, he's like he's like I'm getting the palms. and so like, oh. so I bet you he went and he was climbing trees and cutting palms and, and handing them out, out to everybody. and handing them out to everybody. That because, actually makes sense because this because he's like I see this coming and uh, and and then when and then when yeah. Jesus is on a donkey, he's like I was ready. I saw it. It was the, kind of like Father John Muir who who actually said that the Pope was going to call himself Francis. So no,
1: he did. He did. Really? He, You're yeah, kidding yeah. me?
0: No, no, no. A couple of uh, like as as soon as um, uh, Pope Emeritus abdicated. Uh, he uh, he was he he gave the shout outs. That's why the boy gets some props. He's like he's going to call himself Francis. Which dude? Wow. Yeah, I was looking on his on his Jesus blog. Died. Yeah,
1: he um, had some good coverage on his Facebook.
0: Undoing the fall is the is his blog. Nice. Yeah. So, so there they are.
1: There they are. Shouting but, out. But here's the thing. This is where Palm Sunday leaves you, and that's where the first reading leaves us, there's this triumphant entry. Everything is good. It's the best. And then everything's going to go downhill pretty quickly, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I I mean, along with the disciples, you know, maybe they are ready and handing out palm branches. I mean, everybody knew he was going to Jerusalem Yep. and everybody knew what was going to happen in Jerusalem. I mean, the other thing, and I, I don't want to take too much time with this, but just one, I, I, I can't escape it. I, I want to, I wanted to skip it, but I, I just have to point it out. One of the things that's got to be happening in the crowd, you're staring at the clock. No, no, no. We'll no, make so it.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: One of the things that's got to be happening in the crowd. So, about a generation and a half before, you had the time of the Maccabees, right? And the Maccabees, um, there's a great Jewish band called the Maccabees. <laughs> <laughs> They're <start>. done. Google them. <laughs> But the Maccabees, um, the the great story in the Maccabees. This was during the time of the Greek Empire. The Greeks were ruling over. If you you never read the books of Maccabees, they're
0: they're cool. You should read. They're them. totally awesome.
1: But basically, it's um, a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes, this king who made it illegal for the Jewish people to practice their Jewish faith. Yeah. And so not only was he a warlord over them, he said, "You you, it's punishable by death if you practice the faith." And there was this group of brothers, the brothers Maccabee, who decided to stand up for this and say, "That's it. That's enough. We're not going to take it." Led by Judas and his brothers um, Simon, Matthias, Mattathias, and uh, and uh, the others, <laughs> the other brothers, the other brothers. But they decided to stand up to the Greeks and. Miracle of miracles, they were actually successful, and they pushed the Greek empire out of Jerusalem, at least for a time, and they gained for themselves a measure of independence. It was unheard of. it was Nobody could believe it. It was profound. And Judas Maccabeus, upon victory and pushing them out of town, he made a procession into Jerusalem. I don't remember if he was riding on a donkey or not. I think he was. He processed into Jerusalem. Everyone waved palm branches, shouted Hosanna to the son of David, and he went straight to the temple, and he cleansed the temple. No what? Of all kidding. the Greeks, of all the Greek semblance, of all their icons uh, the, and their pictures. The stuff and that they set up in the there. Stuff. I remember he that, yeah. the temple and he wiped it out and everyone said, yes, now we have victory. So here's Judas Maccabeus marching into Jerusalem, riding on a donkey, going to cleanse the temple. Of who? Of their enemies. What's Jesus doing? Well, he's coming into the temple on a donkey. Everyone's shouting, Hosanna to the sun. I mean, by the way, what's everybody named in Jesus' time? There's a bunch of people named Judas. There's a bunch of people named Simon. There's a bunch of people named Matthew. I mean, what, why are people naming their kids this? Everybody wants the next Maccabee brothers. Everybody's naming their kids after the Maccabees because they're like, we want kids like that. And so uh-huh. this is on everybody's mind. You can tell from what they're naming their kids. Uh-huh. So they're probably seeing Jesus coming to Jerusalem. and They're like, it's a new Judas Maccabeus. He's going to cleanse us from our enemies. And where does Jesus go first when he gets to
0: Jerusalem? The temple. To the temple. To do what? To cleanse, cleanse it. it. Who does he cleanse it of, though? Well, this is the thing is that he's throwing over the money changers, which is the sign and the signs of the foreign monies. Yeah. I don't know. That's part of I, it. I'm just messing with the, my brain.
1: But who did, I mean, that that's a part of it. That's the first part. He, does, he flips over the money changers tables and those have, who bought and sold pigeons. But then he goes on tirades against who? He gives big speeches yelling against whom? The Romans? Does he no. say Caesar needs to be cleansed out of this place? Caesar no. is the problem? No. What does he say? You, our own people, we, you have made it a den of robbers, a den of thieves. So he does the act. He goes straight to the temple and he cleanses the temple, but he cleanses it of his own people. And he says, we are the problem. The people of God have become the problem. The Romans aren't the issue. Everybody wants him to cleanse it of the Romans and say, we need to drive them out. He says, no, we need to drive our pride out of our own hearts, out of the people of God. So everybody's expecting him to say one thing and he goes to the scene and he says something else. And that's not hard to deduce why he's on a cross in a couple of days. The people weren't fickle. They didn't just change their minds. They, yeah. they didn't like the message.
0: Well, yeah. Well, and that's the, also thing, the other thing is, is that actually he stops the sacrifice in the temple. Exactly, he, had, yeah. he, he sets guard at the door on where the sacrifices are going to be coming in. Yeah.
1: Well, he flips over the money changers, which means nobody's buying or selling. He flips over the tables of the pigeons and the animals, which and means no animals are—
0: Drives the oxen.
1: Right, which means nobody's buying and selling any animals, which means no animals are being brought into the temple to the Levitical priests, which means at least for a little while, while they clean everything up, everything comes to a screeching halt. It's pretty profound. It is. And because of that, that's so there's a reason for that. I mean, that's the segue into our first reading now from Isaiah, which is the beginning of the servant psalms. We've talked about the servant Song. songs, songs mm. which is all these prophecies about the Old Testament is a confusing thing because it's basically this huge jigsaw puzzle, much of which is about the coming messiah. And some of it says he's going to be king. He's going to rule. Even just Isaiah, whittle it down to just Isaiah. Isaiah himself says there's going to be this king. He's going to rule with a powerful arm. He's going to drive out our enemies. But then the next breath he says, but he's going to be humble and he's going to be a servant. He's going to be beaten. He's going to give his back to be, to be receiving these blows. His beard to be plucked. And you've kind of be thinking yourself. So wait, which one is it? Is he a powerful warrior, or is he a servant who's going to be beat up? And the answer is yes, both. But I mean. You know, sometimes we, we write off the the Old Testament people and the people in Jesus' time saying, didn't you, why didn't you get it? Why didn't you understand Jesus? Why didn't you see this?
0: Because it was, it's such it's, a complex answer. It's a really
1: complex answer. And it's like asking us, how come you didn't get the entire book of Revelation? Well, because it hasn't all happened yet. I'm sure hindsight will be 20, 20 and we'll look back and be like, oh, well, that's what the seven-headed beast represented.
0: Yeah, well, all those but, eyes and the wings and uh, the obviously. fires and stuff.
1: So we can say that now looking back on the prophets, but at the time, I mean, that's a that's a confusing deal.
0: But I mean, even 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 in this section of Isaiah fifty four to seven, at the end of it says, "I knowing I shall not be put to shame." You are like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> like, you just
1: said you are going to be
0: your beard is going to be pulled out, and you're, mm-hmm. you are right, I am going to get messed up. But you are speaking well. Like, hold right. on. Like, this is actually really confusing. On how how is this going to actually take place? And totally. then you see the cross, and you go, "Oh, oh. well, the resurrection." But then. At the same time, he's not put to shame, but he's put to shame, right? Because right. it's it's not shame; it's not intrinsically shameful. It's, but it's ex- and so, I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. this mystery where you're plunged into it and and you're immersed, and your heart has nothing but to go like, "This is awesome. This is filled with awe. Wow."
1: I think it's in the Galatians, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Paul has an interesting commentary on this, and he he says. Uh, so, I mean, when when the Romans crucified people, the Romans crucified people to basically make a, make a show out of them. Mm-hmm. Basically, the, the Greek word for what they were doing when they crucified people was to make a parade out of them. They're hanging people to show, look, this is what happens when you mess with the empire. So don't mess with the empire because, look, this is what... And actually, when, when the Romans would defeat their enemies, they would actually bring their foreign leaders... Put them on, you know, strip them naked, tie them to things, or put them up on crosses and march them through the city in a parade. That's where we get parades from. It's from the Roman Empire.
0: Well, I saw, <laughs> so I saw this, the the uh, this, the um St. Patty's Day parade, <laughs> and I think that it Uh-oh. was. I think like like now the parade itself was very nice, but what was happening around it was oh, a little right. a little bit like you know it was yeah. like three days of drinking, <laughs> yeah, you know, and people were like spewing green things. <laughs>
1: I'm sure St. Patrick would be proud. Yeah,
0: he would be proud. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. like, like, I think it goes New Year's Day. I mean, New Year's Eve, St. Paddy's Day, and I don't know what the third most drinking holiday is, but I'll tell you what, man. St.
1: Paddy's Day is not the first. It is in Butte, Montana. (laughs) That's a true, that's not a disparaging against Butte. It's it's huge. The celebration in Butte, Montana on St. Patrick's Day rivals the celebration in Dublin.
0: Oh. That's a true statement. Just saying. thank you for what you will okay um let's let's, we got to keep moving because i I got a pen in service okay
1: well last thing on that one though but paul you know talking about what jesus is doing on the cross he says when you see jesus on the cross what he's done is actually making a parade out of Of death sin and death death it's not him simply hanging on the cross he's saying no look this is sin and death being paraded as having lost and i'm going to beat it totally and And i have beaten it And that brings us to the psalm. And the psalm is cool because this is, Psalm 22 is what Jesus proclaims when he's hanging on the cross, at least in Matthew. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Which many people have falsely taken to believe Jesus is just in despair. He's just done. He's just, he's been cut off. Luther believed this. He was cut off from the father and then that's that. Which... If you know the psalm, that's not the case. Psalm 22 is a beautiful psalm. I mean, one of the things rabbis love to do was to quote the beginning lines of, of, of a passage
0: or a psalm to evoke the whole thing. I do that with movie quotes all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly.
1: And you're evoking a much bigger picture, right?
0: And, and because we have movies, I can even actually intonate something and make totally. it. Totally. I mean, you can't handle the truth. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I can. You can't handle the He You actually can And so can you, people who are on the other line of this. But like, yeah. But you. But we all know what you mean. Exactly. We all know the context. Well, some of us do. Some of, and then the better you are, the more you can actually do with totally. even intonation saying totally. it in, a, in an opposite way. So I can intone something and say something different to evoke the meaning of the totally. quote without actually even having the quote itself. Totally. Because we're so attuned to it, which yeah. the,
1: all, the New Testament people would have been to the
0: scriptures. Exactly. So
1: this psalm is great. I mean, the psalm begins by saying, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And it's the scene of this person who is basically unjustly condemned and he's put to death, even though he was righteous and innocent. But in the end, he's actually victorious and he comes back and it's actually a sign of resurrection.
0: You know, I mean, even the last line, you who fear the Lord praise him. Yeah. The, uh, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Praise him. Yep. Because all you descendants of j- Jacob, give glory to him. Revere yep. him, all you descendants of Israel. Be- totally. It's like, this is hard, but I know that I, even though it's Friday, Sunday's coming.
1: It is. It's not what it seems. Yeah. Like Paul said with the parade, it's this, you're not j- merely saying Jesus on the cross, you're seeing death on the cross. It's done. And that brings us to Philippians, which we've actually been talking about this. Philippians has been working backwards the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's weird. Which is weird. weird. And so now we get, if you've been listening to us the last few weeks, we've talked about this. It's called the Canonic Hymn. This scene of Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God. Something to be grasped. In, In Greek, it's not quite, so um, it doesn't quite say that. It's not something to be grasped. I was, was confused by that. Jesus is in the form of God, but he doesn't deem equality with God something to be grasped? In other words, he, does he not understand? what What's well, the deal?
0: Well, no, I think he's actually trying to actually go back and speak about um, Adam and Eve eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I think that's, well, the word is, the word is what I think a better translation
1: would be exploited. Oh. or grab which which is perfect for the grabbed at or grasped at not just grasp like comprehended yes but grabbed at yeah, grasped at
0: a, a much more um a uh, a verb phrase yeah, exactly. like, rather than just like um uh, not a, it's not an interior action but it's actually yeah. a concrete yeah. action that we're we're looking to grab at equality with god exactly
1: so adam and eve are a perfect metaphor for this, but he is God. I mean, he doesn't have to comprehend it. He is. And, and, but he doesn't use that as something to beat us over the head with or to grab it or show. I mean, he could have yes. when he's being crucified,
0: he could just struck people with lightning, <laughs> put it all to a stop. But well, and this is funny because Christ is showing us the way though he is God. Yeah. He himself doesn't do that. Yeah. He humbles himself as the most powerful being, period. There is nothing more than him. Yep. And he humbles himself. So we better take. Uh, 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 take warning. Um, <laughs> we better take up his example and actually humble ourselves. Totally. Make totally. justice our sacrifice and trust in the Which Lord. is what
1: Paul does. Yes. Like we've said, as soon as he says this about Jesus, he then shows, look, and this is how I've done it. I had everything. I was a Jew born of Jews. I was a pharisee. I was all these things, but I
0: counted all as, as skibula. Skibula. As poop. Poop, poop poop poop.
1: I almost poop. stepped in Ka- skibula this morning.
0: Kaka poo-poo. That's what I, when I was when <laughs> I was on? when I was a kid, I used to say that and people would laugh cuz you're really cute when you're a kid and saying it. When, <laughs> it <laughs> when you get, less cute. Yeah, when you get to be about 35 yeah. as I am now, yeah. I am in, Kakapoo poo just doesn't it just doesn't have the no, same, have same, the same thirteen. You could even get away with it. I don't know if that's true. Yeah, well, I don't know. At least to your friends, <laughs> yeah, to your friends. <laughs> well, you can still get away with it. With I, friends. I no longer call you. I still you. laugh when you call it when you say poop. Yeah, me too. I laugh when you say it too. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, it's because it's on the podcast, and it's totally embarrassing that we just had that dialogue on the yeah. air.
1: Well. So be
0: it. Well, this. So now um, we have the mega gospel. <laughs> the mega gospel. The longest one. Well, we just said this is the week of like long readings. So, yeah. you know, put on your seatbelts, people. Do it. Because um, when the uh, this. um, OK, one of the, the thing that I actually really want to bring out and to to tease. um, I know our time. The thing that I want to tease out of the. Readings, How long do you have?
1: How long do we have to talk about this? Okay,
0: I gotta get to Longmont from here.
1: How long do we have to talk about this before we
0: have to close this podcast? Uh five ten, minutes? Ten minutes. Ten minutes. Ten minutes.
1: Holy Mac. Oh, we can do that.
0: Okay, yeah. It's got it. Okay, because I because I can dress quickly.
1: That's good. We're keeping all this on the podcast. <laughs> we want to let you guys into our lives.
0: I'm in my pajamas like, and it's early is, in the morning. He's in his pajamas. And and uh, and I have to get dressed for a penance. And I won't
1: tell you what his pajamas. Say, it yeah, is. <laughs> but they're, they're wonderful.
0: I was, I received them as a gift, yes, clearly. And, and if you don't use the gift, it becomes a curse, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh.
1: Okay, so we don't obviously have time to go through everything in this reading, and, and that's okay because this is a reading I think a lot of us are kind of familiar. I mean, we, we know the basic narrative, right? This yes. is basically taking us from Holy Thursday, from the Last Supper, all the way to the crucifixion. So we're, we're getting into the Triduum. We're yes. getting there. It take, actually, it takes us to Saturday because it actually ends on the Sabbath. They went to rest.
0: It, it's, it's kind of like um, what happens in Genesis. You get an overview of Genesis. Yeah. And, and then what happens is then you break out. And then you actually break out into the important details of it and examine them more fully. So, yep. so what we're, the, the, the week of the Triduum is, is actually a living out of the new <laughs> creation in Christ. Yeah. which I think is a really important thing. It's an overture that then you break out and then these themes are are unforded, are unforded more furry.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Beautifully said. There I mean, you. here's the thing. So I was thinking about this on the bus ride into town this morning. Again, there's there's too much for us to talk about. So I was trying to think of the main thing that stuck out for me, and maybe you can just share the main thing that sticks out for you. Yes. The main thing that sticks out for me is this dichotomy that's running through the whole thing so, I mean, things to look for when you go to Mass this Sunday. Look look for this. One thing that this dichotomy that's going on between Peter and Judas and the text in some sense is bouncing back and forth. I mean, it's telling you about a lot of things, but it's two of the major characters are Judas and, and Peter or Simon. And if you follow the stories, they're actually really similar to each other. Both of them. So both of them are these two guys who basically sell Jesus out to get something. Jesus sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Peter sells Jesus out to save his own behind, basically. They both sell him out, and they both get some benefit out of it. The difference is what they both do in response. They both realize it, too. Remember? Yes, yeah. Peter realizes his sin. He goes and weeps bitterly. bitterly. Judas and the other Gospels are told realizes what he's done, and he weeps bitterly. They have these two incredible parallel stories, Ooh. but what do they do with it? Judas, we know the end of the story. He sees no hope. He sees no salvation. I don't think there's some... Theologians and others who say that you know somebody had to betray Jesus and Judas was sort of this is sort of his lot in life this is he was predestined to do this I don't buy that for a second I don't think Judas had to do what he did he had total freedom to not sell the Lord out but he did it and I think he had total freedom to have chosen to be reconciled again after that he could have found forgiveness but he doesn't he sees no possibility so he kills himself and Act of the Apostles gives you a very vivid. Mm-hmm. Recounting of exactly what happened and how his
0: entrails all poured out. Well, and and this is the thing to remember too. In the church, what happens is that the 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 tradition and the living out of this story and the communication of the story is not ultimately written down until way after the event. Yeah, and so it's the apocalypse um, upstairs. It is, and so what happens is that um you um because uh the the understanding of of what took place yeah, the yeah, details yeah. become clear about how Jesus is engaging exactly. and it, it, it's like there's a lot of things that that end up n- not being able to be understood until after the fact and totally. so so w- how Jesus is relating to Judas and what he's saying to him they totally. get it afterwards it's afterwards. Hinds, hindsight is 2020 20, exactly. but during Everything still is free. Absolutely. And so that's why sometimes the language is 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 a little bit more intense and a little bit more cryptic and mysterious about totally. the nature of how it happens. Totally. And we know later on, I mean, it, John gives my favorite
1: scene when Jesus rises again. Peter sees him. He's on the boat, remember. And what does Peter do? He jumps into the water and he runs. I mean, if I've just sinned against somebody pretty in a pretty brutal way, I mean, they're the last person I want to see. Yes. But for Peter, it's the opposite. And that's why Peter's the first pope. That's why Jesus chooses Peter. Not because he does everything right. He does everything wrong. Yep. But when confronted with the Lord, he runs to... I mean, it's like, I, it It always reminds me of, of Forrest Gump. Remember the, the scene where he jumps off the boat to see Lieutenant Dan? He swims. Oh, yeah. It's just like that. But there's, last thing on that, this is my favorite passage. It's about... early, early, maybe a quarter of the way through when they're at the last supper, Jesus says to Peter, he says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded you has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. So you're all going to be tempted basically. But I have prayed for your, that your own faith might fail. So he said, Satan demanded to have all of you. It's the you plural in Greek, but I prayed for you singular Peter, Mm. that your faith may not fail. And once you have turned back, you may strengthen your brethren. Now, did you catch that? What did Jesus just said? Before any of this happens, he says, "I've prayed for you, and once you turn back from the huge sin that you will
0: inevitably commit, <laughs> get back up and, and deal with the job, and console them with the same consolation which you uh, are uh, partaking in." Yeah, He's,
1: but it, but it's almost like Jesus, Peter's sin is a side note to Jesus. You're gonna do this; it's gonna be pretty bad, but just get up. What you need to worry about: you're gonna you're gonna sin, you're gonna betray me. But get up then. Have the have the wherewithal, but Jesus isn't concerned. Like you are gonna sin, can you believe this? You're gonna betray. I mean, he's like you're gonna betray me, but you have a job to do. So get over it. Yeah, I, the, I, our sin is not that big of a problem for him, as long as we can get past it and move on and get back up.
0: Well, it was it was really funny. I, I went to a, a spiritual director once, and and I and I told him. Uh, I said, man, I am so fickle with God. I'm on mm. again, off again, on again, off again. And he looked at me and he said, he says, it doesn't matter. Whether or not you're fickle, it is how is God using your fickleness. Well, and I was like, ah. I was like, I was like, this is a pretty good piece of pizza that we're eating. <laughs> like, it, it I was. It was just so intense that I was like, okay, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just, I just can't even. It was, it was really beautiful. Yeah. Well, so the 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 thing that that uh, I am actually really interested in too uh, here is this experience of. How Jesus is uh, playing with the Passover meal, yeah, and and yeah, actually and actually drawing it out into a new Passover, yep. And that's why that's why you, um and, and particularly the cups. I don't know if you guys have have ever heard of the, the 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 theory of the four cups mm. of the Seder meal mm. being taken up, and that that ultimately we have um, these particular moments of drinking of of wine throughout throughout this Passover mm-hmm. meal and how there, there's four examples of them. And so we start this whole gospel um with Jesus taking up a cup and mm-hmm. uh, the the first cup and then the second cup and then the third cup which he gives is a Eucharist, Eucharistic one right. of of his own blood. It's a
1: cup of blessing. That's what it's known as in
0: the and and that's why we call, yeah the call at the Eucharist yeah. is and and so so we have these three cups and then we end up we we stop with the third cup, mm-hmm. and then we end up going through the whole Passion narrative. Right. Jesus goes out and waits and 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 he even says, "Oh Lord, that this cup would pass from me." Yeah. And, yeah. but not my will, but your will be done. And then we we have him walk through this whole thing until we finally have Jesus, who is living out of this Seder meal, this Passover, this new Passover, and they take a, a sponge and they press it to his lips and he says, it is finished. What do they, what do they use
1: though? Do you remember? What kind of stick? Uh, hyssop. Do you know why hyssop significant? No. Hyssop was what, was, what they were commanded in, in the book of Exodus to use when they spread the blood of the lambs on their doorposts. That's right. Which is just cool. And it's funny in some of the gospels, as soon as the the wine touches his mouth, that's yeah. when Jesus says it is finished. And do you remember, I mean, what what is finished? Well, his life's not quite finished yet; it's about to be. It's about the to resurrection be. hasn't happened yet, so salvation's not finished. What's finished? Well, the Passover, Passover. is
0: complete. The it's Passover. really cool. Sorry because if I took your thunder on that one. No, I that okay, was good. that's what I just I just said. <laughs> <laughs> You're just reiterating it for the, the listening home. <laughs> That's what I do. It, it, that's what's so profoundly beautiful is that the Lamb of Sacrifice is is. That's why we say when we hold up the Eucharist, the the Thanksgiving, the the, and and it's the cup and the, it's not just. It's no longer just the wine. Right. It's actually the body and the blood, the bread and the wine. Right. Behold, the Lamb of God. Yeah. Behold Him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the Seder of the Lord.
1: Seder of the Lord of the which,
0: Lamb. Which is uh, the Seder of the Lamb. Which is this whole narrative which we get that we live out specifically during this upcoming Holy Week. Totally. And and we have responses. We have two responses. And we follow after Peter and not after and not after Judas, not after Judas, because otherwise, man, times is going to be hard. And mm-hmm. <laughs> and we, it really is. It is really a sad, sad thing to despair, and that's where a lot of people have ended up in this culture. Totally. And uh, and so we draw them along with us spiritually. We join them to us, and yeah. we ask them to 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 be blessed through the prayer mm. and through this. So, my friends. Enter in t- with us into Holy Week Here we go boop, boop. <laughs> up. Email us friends Lankyguys at thomascenter.org um, And uh, pray with us As we walk this journey with Christ Thanks for joining us this week everybody We'll see you on Easter uh-huh. and then After the... Easter after In, you... Easter. in yep. Easter season yep. you, <laughs>
1: The Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought Here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado www.thomascenter.org You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org See you next week.